I'd like to encourage you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Titus chapter 3. We are finishing up the book of Titus today, and I trust that it will be, have been a good encouragement to you as to what to look for in a pastor and what to be as a church. Titus chapter 3, verses 12 to the end of the book. Titus 3.12, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer and Apollos, on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Father, as we close out this book and close out our time together with your folk here at Calvary, we are so grateful for your grace. You have given us so many things that we do not deserve. And Lord, in this time, as our Pastor Kyle has pointed out, it is a tumultuous time, difficulties abound, but we can be here today and rejoice in the one who provides us all, in our Christ, in him alone. And Father, as we seek to consider one of the aspects of Paul's life that should be characteristic of our lives as well that we might see the importance of other people in our lives, that we might see the importance of other churches in the life of our church, and that we might recognize what it means to have partners in the ministry, uh, whether it be in this nation or another nation, as we seek to see your gospel be spread all around this world. Father, I ask that you would continue to bless this church. We're excited for them uh, as the uh, fishers come on November 1, that you would give all wisdom as to what your leading is. And I ask, Father, that you would be glorified. Again, bless your word. May we be very clear that any partnership that we have uh, in this context needs to be centered in and motivated by and proclaiming your gospel. And may we be faithful in that. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today we're talking about partnerships out of the passage that I just read in Titus chapter 3. Last, uh, last evening, I was at a uh, gathering of five churches. We met at a campground, and the purpose of the Friday and Saturday was to retreat as leaders to be equipped to take the biblical principles on leadership and uh, the importance of sharing the gospel and sharpen one another. And what a blessing it was to spend time with these various pastors and their lay leaders that were there for that purpose. And what a blessing it was to hear them talk about what God's doing in their life. The iron sharpening iron and recognizing that what we're attempting to do here. Uh, is being attempted elsewhere as people desire to make disciples. We're excited to consider what Paul is talking about at the end of his book. 
We had looked last week in how that he told us to beware. Watch out. There are people who are going to try to trip you up. They're going to try to bring disunity, try to keep you from accomplishing the disciple-making that you know that God has called you to do. There are people who are destined to try to discourage you from having a good, sound doctrine. But in the closing of this time, Paul also wants you to know that there are people you need to trust. There are people you need to lean into. There are those that God has put all over this country and all around this world that are worthy for you to partner with for the sake of the gospel. And Paul does this uh, by giving just a little bit of example at the end of this book. And it's not unusual for him. He does this often in the books that uh, he writes. Also, it's, it's clear that Paul had friends. He didn't have Facebook but he had friends. He had those he associated with. There are, uh, there are over 120 individuals, if you read the book of Acts and the different epistles that Paul is associated with. That's a lot of individuals named by name in the Bible that had a significant interactions with the Apostle Paul. And that's not to mention all the different individuals that would have been part of the various churches that he planted. Paul thought it necessary not only to have friendships or partnerships, but to share that reality with other people that it wasn't uncommon for him at the end of a letter, as he's writing to, uh, the, the, whether it's an individual or a church, to, to list names. Six of the epistles that, or letters that he wrote have at least four names that he refers to uh, at the end of his book. The, three of them have more than ten different names. Uh, I think of the number of emails that I send. Rarely am I adding 10 names at the end of my email to encourage people the value of partnering. And in the book of Romans, if you're familiar with that wonderful book of all the great and awesome doctrines of God, he chooses to list 25 different names of people that he's interacting with, some that were in the uh, Church of Rome, some that were not, but to let them know he valued people. He valued partnerships. And that's the same here as he talks in this verse. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Uh, Apparently, uh, we have some people like that as well in our church. They decide to spend the winter someplace else. And uh, we are glad you're still with us before you've decided to do that and we get a chance to see you. But this is something Paul was planning on doing, is spending his winter in, uh, in uh, Nicopolis. Uh, and, but in, in reference to that, he talks about Artemis and Tychicus. And I like the words that he says, I send and uh, to do your best to come to me. This is how that these partnerships were not only just people he knew, they were ones that would be involved in one area, uh, one church, and then be involved with another church. There was this value of individuals that had certain knowledge, skill sets, passions, desires, uh, you know, vision to be interacting amongst these churches. And Paul shy to say 
send them to me, you come to me, uh, and I will send these to you, and to recognize the value of those partnerships. Uh, he goes on to uh, say this, uh, do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing. It's interesting, we hear nothing of these gentlemen that are there in the church, but they must have had a role that they did as Titus was taking on his responsibility of setting things in order there in the church, appointing elders. He had individuals like Zenos and Apollos. I know nothing about Zenos. He was a lawyer. I don't know as if he was an attorney like we would know a lawyer, or he was a, one who was a teacher of the law doesn't matter, and his name gives us no clue on that because uh, uh, Jewish folk had Greek names, etc. All we know, he was a lawyer, but he was there in the churches there in uh, Crete and somehow was of help to Titus. But we do know about this man named Apollos. If you want to take time to, uh, to look at uh, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, I'll actually go to the book of Acts, that's where I'm going to start out, because this is where we first hear about Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. Acts chapter 18, uh, Paul is in Corinth, okay, and he's talking about, and, and the, 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 excuse me, the, the Luke is talking about what is happening while Paul is there. There's a man by the name of Apollos. And we'll look at starting at verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila, other partners of Paul heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Here were two partners willing to come to another partner of Paul and help him sharpen what he was teaching. And when he wished to cross to Kai, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. Again, another sign of what partnership is, is in a sense letting people know this is a worthy investment, a worthy people to hear, and uh, Paulus was. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. And that uh, here we have in the church of Corinth, not only Paul, but also Apollos. And now Paul is saying to Titus, you know, speed Apollos on his way. Now what is it that happened in Corinth? We don't know, but we know that, uh, that not only was uh, Apollos a powerful teacher, we know that he discipled several people. Look at the uh, 1 Corinthians, if you would, please, as we just look at this passage of Scripture where it describes, of all things, some division that was taking place in Corinth. It says here in verse 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. 
And you see this thought continued in chapter 3, if you would look there at verse 4, as he says this, he says, uh, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Here the Apostle Paul is talking about the, uh, the, the reality that sometimes there's more than one person that is a part of a process of planting a church. And uh, even though the presence of Apollos and the work of the Apollos uh, was a part of what individuals in the church chose to use as a divisive thing, in other words, they chose to say, well, I, I like Apollos better than Paul, or, or I find myself to be a disciple of Apollos rather than Paul. And Paul is saying, what's the point? We're just people. We're just people serving God. And I might be do, doing some planting, and Apollos might be doing some watering. And so Paul was reinforcing just the reality that, that even though there might be people that wanted to establish some competition between them, they were partners in the gospel. They were working together different roles, different responsibilities, and that God was using both of them. And the key to this is God is the one who gives the growth. That as we look at whoever it is that God has brought into your life, and you probably have those individuals that you remember as being there for you at that crucial time of your spiritual growth, and you appreciate that, and uh, you will always be thankful for it, remember them, but Keep this in mind. They're just servants of God doing what they've been called to do, and it's God that is doing the growth. Keep your eyes on God, on Jesus Christ. He is the one that makes the difference. Oh, how great a privilege it is to be used of God, to be one of the ones that's planting or being one of the ones that watered. But let us not be like the Corinthians and exalt one person over another. When we consider the individuals, whether they be Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders, or even pastors that have been a great part of our lives, let us not create a schism or a division because we fail to understand that we're all on the same side and we're all seeking to accomplish the same thing. Paul recognized that and he encouraged them that as a disciple maker, Paulus was on his team. As a matter of fact, as he closes out the book of Corinthians, one of the names he mentions is that I had wanted to send to you Apollos, but he couldn't come. Paul was wanting to ensure that that partnership continued on. So as we, as we look at the, the of, of who Paul was talking about, you have Apollos, which is a fellow disciple maker, and then you have Tychicus. Uh, Tychicus is mentioned in several places. Uh, Just to let you know, Artemis is nowhere else mentioned, uh, neither is uh, Zenos, but Tychicus is. He's one that traveled with Paul in Macedonia. And then I wanted to, to show you that in the book of Colossians and in the book of Ephesus, Paul was so excited about the ministry of Tychicus to this other church that Tychicus was what we would call a messenger, one that was capable of representing well what was going on in the church and what was going on in the ministry. 
If we would have something like that other than Facebook and Zoom and all that type of thing that we have today, and all we had for our missionaries across the seas was a, an individual that could run for them that would leave that nation and come across the sea and come to the individual church and give a report, then that's what Tychicus is. He was one that was used of Paul to make sure that the unity of the partnerships uh, were, was, was, was established. Here's what it says in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, and Ephesians 6, 21 and 22. I chose to put them up this way so that you would see how uniform they were used, these words were used in the various letters to the folks at Colossae, and the folks of Ephesus. I've color-coded them, and I'll just read the green right now. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. And you can see that over on the Ephesian side in that same kind of paragraph in green with the little change of word. Uh, will tell you all about my activities in the blue. And then in red, I have sent him to you this very pur- for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. I would encourage you that as you consider the partners that you have around this world, that you have a mind and a heart like Tychicus, that you desire to understand what's going on in those mission fields, and that you be ready to share that with others that maybe do not have the time or are not the passion to check on those things. We can have Tychicus in the church that are readily involved with the various ministries around this world that this church supports, that this church prays for, to continue to keep us not only in, uh, you know, aware of what the general things are, but some of the specific things that are going on. Tychicus was capable of knowing the heart of Paul, coming to a church and being able to articulate it in such a way that they felt like Paul was there himself. And Antichicus could take and uh, spend time with the people of the church and come back to Paul and do the very same thing. The emphasis is on the importance of the partnerships. Paul had a purpose for his partners. Uh, He says this at the end of uh, Titus, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I think it's interesting to look at how that Paul said that. Let our people. Where is Paul at this time? He's not in Crete, but they're his people. They're our people. That unified attitude of that work in the gospel together. And he's sharing with them it should be something that meets critical needs and is fruitful. I want to take time just to look at the book of Philippians. Why I look at Philippians is one of the most uh, clear passages that talk about Paul's partnerships because he actually uses the word partnership in it. So if you look in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. His partnership with them is in the gospel, and he's thankful for that, and he rejoices on that, and he has many memories of that. 
would encourage you as you consider the global partners or the missionaries that you have, that you have some memories of them, that you think about them and that you understand and pray for them and that you have great memories and think about how thankful you can be. Uh, I wonder what it'd be like if that every memory someone had of me, they were thankful. Because I am sure there are some memories people have of me that they're not so thankful. <laughs> but to, to think about the Apostle Paul, if he, if he could, uh, that concept of thinking on things, those things that were true and noble and just and pure, I believe he put it into practice. I'm sure there's many of things he could have thought about the folks there at Philippi and saying, I'm not sure I can be thankful about that. And I think what he did was focused on those things that he wanted to remember about them. He says this right towards the end of the chapter. So I do encourage you to turn to chapter 4 of Philippians because it is interesting how this all fits together and it will be helpful for us as we consider how do we partner. Uh, He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 14 and 15. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Here we have Paul giving an idea of what partnership is all about. And I hope you look at your your, uh, missionary partners this way. Is that it's not just you sending money so they could do their job. It's you investing in the same ministry that they're doing. So that as you're giving, uh, you're receiving as well receiving what Paul says in just a moment here. He says this in verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. As you invest as a church in missions all around the world, this should be fruit to your account. As you hear report of individuals coming to know Christ, whether it's in this country or another one, you should recognize that that's fruit to your account, that these are things that you do, not just because there's a need out there, and it's good to do something because there's a need, but you're doing something because it's a good investment. It's something worthwhile for you to use that which uh, God has made you a steward of, and you're willing to use it that way. But look at some of the other verses here in chapter 4. In verse 11, he says this. He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is setting up the verse that I'm showing you right now by saying this. I don't need the money you're sending to me because my God will supply the need that I have. But you need to send that money to me so you can have a part of the investment of what God is doing. Can you imagine the excitement that Paul had in regard to that? That as he looked at it, it's not the fact that these people are making sure that I can do my ministry, that instead... I am making sure that they can do their ministry because I am being their feet and the mouths and the hands in places they cannot go. And I am carrying the gospel to those areas because he was confident that he was going to be okay whether the money came or whether it didn't. My God is the same God, if you want to say, of the mountain or of the valley, of the much money or of the none. He is the same God. And Paul said he learned to be content 
And can I encourage us, whether you're a missionary or not, that you can learn that as well? That you do not have to be dependent upon certain things of your creature comforts, etc., that to be content in Jesus Christ. God is the one you should be content in. And he is the one that provides for you. And that as you look at what you do, is what you're doing really providing fruit to the cause of Christ? And may you be challenged to look at that as being your primary thing rather than the comfort that you might have. Paul puts us to shame in his willingness to be content even when he had nothing because he knew that Jesus Christ was all that he needed. Well, let's look at uh, verse 14. He says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent needs and not be unfruitful. Well, what are the church's partners? What, what, who are the partners? Who would be the partners for Calvary Baptist Church? And the first place I would say is that you need to be willing to partner with your own church first. Folks, you need to be totally convinced that this is a ministry that is reaching people for Jesus Christ, that the investment of your time, your effort, and your finances are worthwhile, that what comes out of the stewardship of this church is worth your putting, not just your what you consider your tithe, but also the extra effort that you have, that you want to see God do some things to invest in your own church and to ensure that your church is healthy. And why do I say that? I say that because we at Baptist Church Planters, the main reason they have me with them is so that I can go to churches and help churches be healthier so that they can make sure more missionaries are planting churches and that more missionaries are reaching people for Jesus Christ. And it would make no sense of me, for me to say, you need to invest your money elsewhere if you're not investing in what needs to be healthy, and that needs to be your local church, that you need to make that your priority of partnering. And then obviously the concept of partnering with other churches. I've seen that in your church, whether it was with your pastor when he served on the Council of 18 or your pastors who, uh, now who are helping at the camp or when you did the couples retreat, you are partnering with other churches. You are encouraging other churches. You are helping other churches' people be sharpened. And that is what God calls us to do. When we were together with those five churches this weekend, it was a great blessing, not only to see what God is doing in their life, but the, just the joy of being sharpened ourselves, of seeing the fact that churches cared. One church hosted that whole time. It was not put on by Baptist church planners. We provided some of the training, but it was a church that had a passion and a conviction that other churches be taught as well, that put on the retreat, made sure everything was put together, and, uh, and hosted us in that process. That's churches partnering with other churches. And then, of course, partnering with missionaries. It is exciting to see how faithful you folks are with global partners to go out from this room and right in the hallway to have pictures all over a wall of missionaries that you support. To know that uh, nearly 25% of the monies that come in uh, go out to help missions all around this world. 
that you care a lot about missions. And that's why uh, we are excited to have spent these months with you because we want you to continue to do that. We want you to continue to be able to invest in what God is doing all around the world. And so that brings me to who we are, Baptist Church Planners. You probably just thought me as your interim pastor, but after, uh, after this week, uh, we will be going more uh, faithful in our responsibilities of Baptist Church Planners. So here's what we are. As missionaries, uh, our role is to facilitate the process for Baptist churches and the missionaries they send to fulfill the Great Commission. Our commitment is that Baptist Church Planters doesn't plant churches. Churches plant churches. That we are here to ensure that churches do their job, to help them do that. Uh, we do that by a variety of things. You can see this, uh, uh, this slide here that talks about uh, our youth ministry and how that we help churches train their youth leaders and children's workers. Uh, we have a Hispanic ministry. We have the intentional disciple-making ministry. That's what we were doing this last weekend, and it's what I'll be doing next weekend as I go out to Colorado to help with uh, more churches out there. We have the intentional transitional ministry, uh, which you've had an opportunity to experience here, as well as several others. And we do three different things. We do counsel come alongside a church to give them counsel in some areas in which could help them. We provide guidance where they want a little bit more hands-on stuff, and then sometimes we step in uh, and help lead in particular areas, like what we'll be doing the next 24 weeks as we work with uh, leaders within these five churches of offering some guidance and leadership in those, in those areas. And as you can see, this is kind of just a little map of where all we are. Uh, you can see Midwest gets hit a little bit, uh, and that's that's right there, and this is, this is where we're heading to uh, this, this weekend to put on a, a, uh, a, another retreat to help churches in, in their leadership. As we consider our partnering with you, and it has been a blessing, we've been uh, very much encouraged during our time, and we will miss the music, we will. Uh, but not only did you invest or partner with us for our financial needs and the expenses it cost to be able to be here, uh, but also to help other aspects of our ITM ministry so that we can help other churches out. Uh, during this time, God has given me the uh, opportunity to work with 11 other churches. Couldn't be there, but uh, it's amazing what you get, get done with Zoom, telephone calls, and email. And so we have been actively working with uh, uh, churches to give them counsel. I've been working with some pastors who needed some help in their lives uh, in other churches that uh, uh, God allowed me to come alongside them to, to be part of counsel in their lives and uh, will be part of two leadership journey retreats that I've already referred to. These are the type of things that when you invested in us, you weren't investing on just making sure you had someone come and preach in your pulpit. You're investing in something that has fruit in a lot of different areas. And I want to encourage you on that, and I want to commend you for that because it is something that is going to have an impact, not just in your church, but in churches around our state, but as you'll see also in Colorado and other places as well kind of conclude our time with thinking of this, that are we desiring to meet needs and to be fruitful? Yes, you ought to invest in your missionaries because it will meet a need. 
but you also should invest because it will be a fruitful endeavor for you. That is, you give so that they can accomplish the work that you can't be there to do. We help local churches so that they can multiply God's grace. And we appreciate your prayers, and we trust that we will, uh, as time goes on, continue to be connected with you uh, in, in the future. And as we recognize that the main thing that it's all about, that it's not partnering just because we enjoy being with each other, it's not partnering because we might have some uh, fun and be able to uh, have some good friendships, we partner because of the cause of the gospel. And I trust that if you're here today or listening here, uh, that you will know that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty of your sin, that you will know that it is worth to place your faith in Jesus Christ and to know that that will give you not only eternal life, but give you an opportunity to be in partnership with several other who, others who have done the same, that you can sharpen each other, encourage each other, be a part of the disciple-making process together. So I encourage you to make that decision to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. And if you're here today, and as we sing this closing song, if you think about just as I am, are you willing to make your life a sacrifice for God, trust Him, lean on Him, and come to Him? May He be your Savior. Let us pray. Our Father, as I, I thank you for the time that you have given to us, uh, it's been, been a great privilege to serve. It has been neat to see people's lives uh, and to see them make decisions for you. It has been neat to see them move forward. I'm excited to know they have a candidate coming in on November 1. Lord, it's been so good to meet new friends and to, uh, to just have all these great memories that, that we can hang on to. And so, Father, as, as we press forward and as we continue our work with Baptist Church Planters and as we follow up with these other churches that we're working with, that you would uh, allow us to uh, use great grace and mercy in those areas of ministry that we might be able to see the work, the partnership, and the gospel and the multiplication. Father, may we plant Father, may we water, but Father, please give us the growth, give us the increase, and we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen.